Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The latest tips and equipment to improve your game. The latest from the leaderboards and your favorite courses. This is Golf in the Northwest, an action-packed hour about everything golf. Brought to you on the fan by Laurelhurst Market. More than just your family neighborhood steakhouse. Now with award-winning PGA professional Harold Bluestein. here's your host, Jason Swigard. Well, a fine good morning to you all. As uh, we are knee-deep in the middle of summer, supposed to start getting hot. It's going to be 90. I, you know, yeah, 90 here. I've got relatives on the East Coast and in the Midwest, and I can tell you that I can handle 90 here, not for too long, but back there it is oh, just terrible. It's, it's awful where there's humidity. I remember a couple of years ago when I went back to uh, Columbus for that yeah. Oregon State game Labor Day weekend, and it was... It was just brutal. I thought, oh, I'll go mid-morning. You know, it was supposed to be 90-whatever in the afternoon. I'll go mid-morning, nice little walk. And uh, we were actually staying in Dublin, Ohio with a relative of of Megan's. It wasn't in – there's several golf courses in that area where they're playing right now. I was – they lived on a different one. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I tried to just walk along the paths in 10 minutes. I had to turn around. I was totally soaked. I had to go back just – couldn't breathe. It was it was ridiculous. <laughs> You're breathing water, and it, and you take a shower. You take a shower three or four times a day. Yeah, you feel good coming out, and then ten minutes later you're wet exactly. again. Exactly. And wait a minute, I think I just dried off. But yeah, it's it's tough. I'm a Buffalonian, so I understand the humidity. Uh, and you have days that there's no sunshine. It's gray out, and it's a hundred degrees. Yeah. It it's so depressing. <laughs> It's going to take a lot, a lot, a lot of money for me to ever move uh, out of this uh, climate. Oh, yeah, and if we keep going like we are, I think uh, we may That's be true. going. Yeah. We might be going big time. Yeah, we might be rising to the top. Well, we can always dream. We can always dream. Uh, Will is uh, enjoying a little summer vacation here for a couple of weeks. So good, good uh, I'm him. back in my uh, normal producer spot here. Uh, with Harold, so we'll uh, we'll be going it alone here for the next couple of weeks as the guys are just, uh, everybody needs to take a little time, clear the brain, uh, rejuvenate based on what we've been through in the last several months. But we got a lot of help today. Our buddy Jeff Sanders, uh, now with Sport 5, formerly Air Golf, uh, running the golf events uh, for them, the Winco Foods Portland Open, presented by Kraft Heinz, uh, scheduled for August 6th through 9th. The announcement came uh, a couple of weeks ago that unfortunately not going to be ready to have fans, but uh, he'll join us and uh, talk about uh, what they're working on between now and when that tournament's ready to go in a little less than a month. Uh, And uh, also some of his other tournaments I saw, the PGA Tour announced the Safeway Open, which is the first tournament of the new season, the fall wraparound 
Uh, no fans going to be there. Obviously, in Napa Valley, in California, they're uh, having all sorts of issues, so they don't want any mass gatherings. So we'll see how things are affecting uh, his ability to conduct his tournaments. Yeah, it's tough. I want to ask Jeff uh, what the impact of no fans means yeah. on a tournament. Uh, I can tell you that based on last week's performance, they had to have a pretty good television viewer audience. I would think so. I was. I think it's fantastic. I like the fact that I can, and I've said this before, I can see the golf course. I don't have people packed around a, a, a fairway where I can't appreciate the trees and things. Plus, guys are losing balls out yes. of bounds and in the rough. Uh, where there'd normally be a fan. Exactly. And, Bryson and, DeChambeau. Oh, Although yeah. I think we, his flew OB on their own. Yeah, that was it. We'll talk about that. We'll talk that about tonight. that yeah. uh, as well. Paul Benson, uh, one of the uh, pros down at Willamette Valley Country Club, is going to join us. They have one of the most state-of-the-art fitting uh, facilities for, I think, most of the major manufacturers down there. Yeah. Uh, they're just outside of Canby. Uh, he's going to join us and talk about their facility and the importance of being properly fitted for clubs. And and I want to talk too um, when you're but when you go through a body change like I have, I've lost forty pounds since I started on with Better You today. Now we're doing a, adding a little bit more strength training in, and you're totally reshaping your body. Whether you're dropping pounds like Gary Woodland has, whether you're putting them on like Bryson DeChambeau, how that then affects what you're doing with your swing and how that relates to fitting. And uh, so get his thoughts on everything that goes into it uh, in that fashion. Well, I've been fitted by Paul. I trust him uh, with my golf and my golf swing. I, and, and particularly my golf clubs. It's so important to have the right club in your hand. And I've had amateurs say to me, well, you guys can hit any club. We can, but we're better with the right ones in our hand. And and we'll talk to him about yeah. the variables that go into a club fitting. Paul knows exactly what he's talking about. I've sent uh, Alistair to him, some of my better players to him, to have their clubs checked. Uh, he keeps things simple. He wants you to understand what uh, what's going on with the club and how it affects your game. So we'll talk to him at 8.30. Uh, we'll get into a little bit about uh, Jack Nicholas's comments about uh, the golf ball and distance. Uh, he had an interview during uh, play for round one with Nick Faldo. Uh, that's gotten a lot of play like it's new, and anybody that's listened to Jack Nicholas during his career uh, knows this isn't new. But with Bryson DeChambeau's recent success and length, it's uh, resurfaced again. So you'll hear his comments. We'll have a little discussion about that. Certainly. Uh, but first, as always, let's go inside the ropes. It's time for an insider's look at the leaderboards. The latest on all tours, plus local golf events and golf news. This is Inside the Ropes, part of Golf in the Northwest. So uh, we'll stick with the two major tours going on. Uh, the European tour is still over in Austria, but as we've mentioned earlier, most of the top players from Europe and the world have been over in the States uh, trying to accumulate points and uh, some money and some wins. And last week, uh, interesting, it was quite a finish uh, at Dublin, the Workday Charity Open. Colin Morikawa was trying to hold off Justin Thomas. I warned you, watch out for Justin. He can go low in a hurry. Caught him. And then uh, what a great, great, great playoff. And, and the first 18, that was unbelievable drama. They both hit it sideways off the tee. One's in the bunker. Justin's up on the side of the hill. They got the tree to worry about. Somehow they both make the green with incredible second shots just to be on the green from where they were on 18. Right. was pretty remarkable. Then Justin buries a 50 footer that broke uh, 12 feet. Yeah, it broke 10 feet. I, when they were on that green, I'm thinking, well, we're going to go to another playoff hole because there'll be, these guys will two putt. We'll, we'll do it. You were thinking for my winner, if somebody didn't hit it, a decent lag putt, they might be staring at three putting and somebody yeah. might win it with a four. Absolutely, because Murakawa's, well, both putts were very yeah. fast going down the hill. Yeah, Murakawa was 26 feet, but he was straight down the fall line of the hill, so he had to judge the speed properly. Well, how, this, this is a testament to how tough this young kid is. He's 23 and he's 
He's got two wins. That's one more win than Tony Finau, I should would remind you. They, uh, this kid's tough. He stood up over that 25-footer and and made it. And this is after he missed one a couple of weeks ago, yep. a three-footer, to go into a playoff. So, uh, And he gave it to Daniel Berger, that tournament. Yep. So to step up and, and make that putt was pretty big. I never like to see a, a a tour professional lose a tournament, and I, quite frankly, I think Justin Thomas yeah. lost that tournament. He bogeyed uh, two of the first four holes, bogeyed two of the last three holes. He knows that he gave that up. Some people are saying, "Well, he doesn't know how to finish." Well, you don't have his his record without knowing how to finish. I don't know what was going through his head down the stretch yeah. there, but he tightened up a little bit and uh, gave up golden opportunities. Yeah, he had a three-shot lead midway through the back nine. Yeah, yeah. well, and, he, had three, he was three up with three yeah. to go. Yep. So it was pretty tough on him. But he's playing uh, this week again. His attitude was, yeah, this one will smart, but I've got – Two days, three days to get over it, and I got to get back out there and make some money. Uh, On the Corn Ferry Tour, let's hit that real quick. Last week, so they've been in San Antonio for two weeks. David Lipsky is a name uh, that should be very familiar to everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's he's done it the untraditional way coming out of the United States. He's now, I believe, 32, but he went over to the Asia Tour for a little while. He went to the European Tour. He's one of the few Americans playing the European Tour regularly. He and uh, Patrick Reed were over there a couple seasons. Pat, uh, Patty got his, he got it going a little quicker than Lipsky did. He got a couple of wins, but Lipsky wins uh, uh, by four shots, his first U.S. win. And uh, both Lipsky and Colin Morikawa went to the same high school. Oh, I didn't know that. La Cañada High School. Oh, you are a source of information. Uh, I, I do a little bit. Do you, uh, you, should we prepare for this show? Because I uh, don't, don't, don't change what you're doing, Harold. You're good. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, he gets his first U.S. win, uh, boosts him uh, into contention there for the top 25 on the Corn Ferry Tour. And uh, you want to talk about somebody that's a grinder that has loved the game that has toured all over the the world trying to uh, get to the PGA Tour. This is this is somebody you want to root for. Well, absolutely, you want to root for a lot of these players uh, who are some in some cases veterans who've been out there for a very long time. Uh, and you take a, a player like uh, Derek Ernst, who's been out there for a while. Got a phone call from his wife a couple of weeks back and said maybe it's time to look for another job. Boy, I'll tell you what, that would be grounds for divorce if you're <laughs> really. Well, nothing, nothing motivates you like. Uh, <laughs> well, you can go either way. Let's go. You can say I, I think I'll, I'll move. So on yeah, he was maybe... the third round, third round leader at a one shot lead. He gave one back here. They're just underway in the fourth round uh, for the TPC San Antonio Championship at the Oaks. Uh, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild shootout here. Paul Barhone, who uh, has been a top leaderboards in the Corn Ferry Tour the last few weeks from France, is right there at 11 under. You have Austin Smotherman and Davis Riley at 12 under par. So that's uh, how things set up. Wee Kim is at nine under. Ben Coles also at eight under. Uh, a couple of names that uh, are a little bit more familiar with. And then uh, that brings us to Jack's tournament uh, here, which has been uh, loads of fun in the first two days. All sorts of things uh, from Dustin Johnson uh, shooting. I don't know what he ended up. 80-80. Ouchie. Yeah, ouchie-ouchie is right. Uh, that's, uh, I think, his worst performance, uh, that yeah. at least I can remember. Uh, and he's an oddball. There, It looks like he doesn't care, but I can tell you this guy's a great He does. He does care. Uh, but, looks like he didn't play much during the shutdown. Well, uh, and... and Regardless, this guy's got a is a great talent. I uh, I think it says more about how difficult the golf course is this week as it, uh, yeah. than it was the previous week, and he has not been hitting it that good off the tee. And Jack has got the rough. You know, I mean, I'd get lost in that rough. Yeah. I think you have to be over five feet tall to. It is uh, thick and luscious, no question. So uh, if you're finding it, Ryan Palmer, Tony Finau, your leaders at nine under par. They'll tee off at 1050 this morning. John Rahm, one back at eight under. Uh, Tiger Woods had a bad round two. 
And when he finished, he was outside the number, but uh, thanks to some poor play of the field coming in in the afternoon, including Bryson DeChambeau's 10 for a quintuple bogey. On Did you the, watch that? Uh, yeah, it was going. I was paying attention. It was going on during the show, and yes. I, I watched it. Twenty-six minutes it took. It was it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. You know how I feel about Bryce yeah, DeChambeau. Yeah, yeah. He's like your Spanish rat. Uh, yeah. Dyson hits he uh, Bryson hits me the same way. Uh, his argument over whether his ball was in or out of bounds. Yeah, yeah. And he claimed that he got a bad ruling. No, you hit a bad shot. Well, that and his caddy ran in front of the uh, cameraman again. So he needs to start not worrying about so many things and just worry about where the golf ball is and hitting it. Yeah, and and he's bombing the ball off the tee, yeah. but the closer he gets to the green, the worse he's playing. Yep. So, I mean, he's getting the ball within 60 yards of these holes that are 470 yards long, and he's making pars or making bogeys, and, and you can't not win yeah. a golf tournament doing that. He got lucky uh when he's hot, he's hot. When he's not, he is not. No question. Uh, let's see. Who else? Uh, Tiger's one under today through 14. Jordan Spieth is four under. Start and play. Rory Macro two under. Uh, congratulations to our uh, good friend Scott Harrington. Had a 69 in round two, so he is one under. Tied for 26th as he uh, continues to try and make his way into the top 50 on the FedEx Cup points list. Let's take a break. When we come back, our good buddy Jeff Sanders is going to join us. We'll talk about uh, how the tour has operated so far in the restart without fans, uh, how long he expects things to be moving forward, and uh, his thoughts on uh, maybe the length and the distance of these golf balls and what Bryson is doing, and now Tony Finau picking that up as we continue on. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. This is Golf in the Northwest, brought to you by Laurelhurst Market. More than just your friendly neighborhood steakhouse. Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. 817 here this morning. Jason Swigard, Harold Bluestein with you. And uh, joining us now, our good buddy, Jeff Sanders. Now with uh, Sport 5. No longer Lagadier, it's Sport 5. How's that transition gone there, my friend? It's going great, guys. Good morning. Well, you know what? It's... uh... No different, actually. Sport Five, big company out of Germany, bought uh, Lagadier out of Paris, and why they, you know, why they did that, who knows? Here we are in Beaverton, Oregon, trying to figure out where those two places even are. So, uh, <laughs> no, everything's good. They leave us alone, let us run golf tournaments, and uh, everything's going great. I think France and Germany are both in Europe. <laughs> Does that help you out, they tell me. <laughs> I didn't know there's any golf being played over there, though. So maybe I don't know. We'll see how long this thing lasts. No kidding. Well, I think they're in Austria. Uh, the European okay. Tour fired back up, and then they're going to go over to the U.K. for like a month yeah. and try and do as much as they can. But as far as running golf tournaments here in the United yeah. States, we've seen the PGA Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour now for uh, a little over a month. And I think the golf has been pretty entertaining, but from the operations and what you've heard from uh, within the inner circles, uh, running four tournaments yourself, how has it gone from the uh, perspective of, of administration of, of tournaments? Well, it's a big challenge. I mean, there's no question about it, but, you know, our team's up for it. We, we're going to run three tournaments in the next six or seven weeks, Portland, Boise, and Napa, and we're not going to have fans or, or, or pro-ams other than in Portland, thank God, but, you know, it's a different day. I mean, it's like running your first tournament after 34 years in this business because it's so different, but it's all about keeping everybody safe. And we know the golf's going to be good. We know it'll be on TV, and the viewership on TV is way, way up. At Rocket Mortgage, the viewership was up 56% year over year. So people are starving to watch live sports, including golf. And, you know, what we're going to do is we're just going to put on three great events as best we can. And, uh, you know, the team, I'm proud of them. They've really adapted to this new world we're living in, and hopefully not for long, but it is what it is. You know, it's like anything else. When the ball's sitting down the rough, you got to go get it. You know, it's not always teed up for you, you know. So it's kind of the same thing here. You play with uh, what you have in front of you and do the best job you can. So, you know, we're looking forward to the next three tournaments in the next six or seven weeks. Jeff, I know when you were out on tour, you didn't know there were any fans on the course at that time. <laughs> well, I used to take the pins out in the morning and bring them in at night. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I used to cut the cups. So, 
you know, I didn't see I didn't see a lot of fans out there, Harold, until I was playing with Jack Nicholas on on Sunday in the final round at the Grand Milwaukee Open. Then I saw some fans. Uh that was oh, that must have been exciting for you. You forgot about that because you're so old. <laughs> you forgot about 1984, which I, is only what a thousand years ago. Yeah, exactly. That was another <laughs> lifetime. The uh, so so I wanted to ask you about the fans. They have an impact yeah. on. Not sure. only a tournament, but the finances of a tournament. But really, I'm I'm kind of enjoying watching golf on TV without the fans. Yeah. I can see the golf course. How do the players feel about not having well, fans? The players don't like it because at the end of the day, player golf professional golfers are a lot like musicians. You know, they they, they like to entertain in front of people, and it motivates them. It makes them better because. You know, when people are watching, uh, you want to hit great shots, and you want to you want to hit them for the fans as well as for yourself. And I think that I think that they'd like to have fans back because it brings that drama to it and the emotion of everything. I think that's why you see the Ryder Cup not being played, obviously due to the lack of not having fans. But I think these guys are entertainers. They're golfers, but they're entertainers, and they like to have fans. But I also know today that they realize that they can't. And uh, they're fortunate to be able to play golf on the PGA Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour, the Champions Tour, and the LPGA Tour, because a lot of sports are not playing. So I think they're thanking their lucky stars they can even get out there and play. And they're playing for the same prize money that they played when they did have fans. So that's interesting as well. Jeff Sanders is our guest. Uh, he's the uh, executive director of the Winco Foods Portland Open, presented by Kraft Heinz, uh, president of golf events for now Sport 5, uh, joining us here. Uh, how long do you think this model can sustain itself on the Corn Ferry Tour and PGA Tour events without having fans before sponsors uh, and, and the other financial mechanisms behind it start to uh, pull back? Not forever, I can tell you that. It's, it's, it's a challenging economic model, Jason, because when you take away the, the, the revenue uh, pillars, we call them, when there's, not, when there's not a pro-am because of social distancing, you know, now you don't have the revenue from pro-am players playing in your, in your pro-am. So that's one source of revenue that goes away. When you don't have fans, you not only lose the ticket sales, but you also lose the corporate hospitality because – if I can't, if I buy a suite on the 18th hole and I cannot invite you and Harold to be my guest because there's no fans, then there's no corporate hospitality either. So you lose the corporate hospitality, you lose the fans, ticket sales, you lose the pro-am revenue. And in our case, because of our golf festival model that they now call Golf Chella down the desert, you lose the concerts because you can't have concerts either for all those reasons. So in our case, it's very challenging uh, to not have fans, not have pro-am, not have concerts or hospitality. And I don't think, I mean, that's the case in every PGA, LPGA event uh, across the world. So this, this is not sustainable long-term because what you're really saying is to all the title sponsors, you're buying a made for television event. If you are a global brand like AT&T or American Express or, you know, some company, the companies that are all global, Mercedes-Benz, then it kind of works if you're a television, if, you're, if it's made for TV. But if you're a Safeway or a Winco or a Cambia or, a, or an Albertsons or, you know, a local company, it doesn't work because when you're watching golf in New York, you can't go to Albertsons. You can't, you can't, you know what I mean? When yeah. you're over in Europe, you can't go to Safeway or Winco. Um, I'm picking on our sponsors, not because of any other reason. I love our sponsors. They're phenomenal sponsors. But I'm talking really about global brands versus local brands. And so uh, Made for TV works for the, for the global companies, but it doesn't work for local and regional companies if that's all you have. Well, and I know uh, the other piece is now figuring out how to still engage the fans. Uh, you've talked about how uh, how outstanding your teams are that are putting on your events. What are some of the ideas that are being kicked around and uh, for fans that still want to be a part of it other than just watching it on Golf Channel? Uh, what are some of the ideas that uh, might have some opportunities for them to be a little bit more engaged in the tournaments? Well, virtual concerts. You know, that's the one that we're going to be pulling off here. I'm not sure we'll be able to pull them off this summer, but we're working on them uh, potentially at the Safeway open down in Napa um, where you have a concert that is done privately uh, in a studio and you film it 
and then you show it to your fans because we have all of their information. We can say, hey, sorry that you can't come out to Silverado Resort and, and listen to great music on the, on the mansion lawn this year. By the way, we had REO Speedwagon, Stick, Chicago, Smokey Robbins. We had a great lineup. We had to cancel this year, unfortunately. But point being that, you know, you can do some virtual music and, and, and take, it, take it home, if you know what I mean. So that's one idea, just to stay connected. What you want to try to do is stay connected to your, to your fan base and to your sponsor base in these uh, uncertain times. And so uh, there's not a lot you can do for fans uh, when they're not on site. Um, but that's one idea. In our, in our model, being, again, a golf festival model, um, we can do that. The other thing that really is unfortunate is the charity piece where, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we've raised, I don't know how many, a couple hundred million dollars for charity through our events. And um, unfortunately, that becomes very challenging in this model where in this timing with COVID-19, really, it's just how do you break even or make a little bit of money for the local charities? And so, that's the one thing that's always been a, a top priority for our team uh, and our sponsors is charity, and that becomes more difficult. Jeff, you've got to be pretty proud of some of your graduates uh, into the uh, onto the tour, and one of them who's leading this uh, right now is Tony Finau. Uh, yeah. You remember when he was out on the Corn uh, Ferry tour? I do. I remember I met Tony and his family, of course, got to know Tony pretty well since he was here. But I remember his big family coming out on the 18th green at Witch Hollow at Pumpkin Ridge when he got his tour card at Pumpkin Ridge. And uh, that was a cool deal where he, you know, he came in and got his card, brought his family up. There must have been 15 or 20 family members that were there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I remember all on the 18th green, which is one of the really cool things about the Winco Foods Portland Open is, you know, giving away the 25 cards. And so, no, Tony, you know, and I see Scotty Harrington's playing pretty well. He's in the top 25, I think, going into today. And, um, you know, uh, Bo Hogue, who won our tournament's top 20 right now, uh, he's playing better golf than he has been, so that's good. Um, no, I think it's fun to see these guys. You know, Justin Thomas, who got his card out here, mm-hmm. uh, it seems, you know, he's playing great golf these days. And so, like we've said, this is PGA Tour golf. It, it's they, these guys go right out on the tour. I think there've been about 60 wins in six years. So they're averaging 10 wins a year on the PGA tour after leaving uh pumpkin Ridge. And so, you know, that, that tells the story that kind of puts an exclamation point on how good these guys are. And uh, so it's just unfortunate this year that our fans won't be able to come out and see the future stars of the PGA tour at pumpkin. But, you know, again, we're just blessed to be able to play and grateful for the opportunity to put on these tournaments in the next, you know, six or seven weeks. Well, we're always grateful uh, when you have a few minutes for us uh, here on the show as well. Uh, people can go to wincogolf.com for the updates uh, as your team uh, has uh, more of these uh, specifics and maybe how to engage right. in some different programs. They can always get the updates there and then uh, – we look forward to uh, watching the tournament uh, coming up in less than a month now out at Pumpkin Ridge. Jeff Sanders, he is the uh, president of golf events for Sport 5. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes uh, for us this morning, and we will catch up with you real soon. Okay, guys, thanks a lot. Harold, I'm still looking for that golf lesson. Uh, I'm trying to get my ball in the air, and if you can help me with that, I'd greatly appreciate it being the, the teacher of your caliber. Well, you know, Jeff, I really appreciate that. You like to hit that low wedge, uh, <laughs> the one that scoots across the green. I can help you get that airborne. <laughs> can you? Can you get yeah. that? Can you get that wedge overhead high for me? Yeah, I can. I'll have you hitting three inches behind a ball, and then maybe it'll get airborne. <laughs> yeah, those front bunkers have been tough for me with that sand wedge lately. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, have a good day, and tune in to the tournaments on the Golf Channel. All three are on the Golf Channel. You know what? That's what we need to do now is just watch more golf on TV, and uh, we'll be back uh, live uh, soon. You bet. Thank you so much, sir. Take care. You too. Thanks All right. a lot. Bye bye. Jeff Sanders there are a guest and uh, yeah, fortunately all three of his tournaments, uh, the Winco, uh, the Albertsons Boise open, and then the Safeway open will all be on golf channel. I think everybody's craving it right now with uh, so little live sports. We'll talk a little bit more about that, about distance coming uh, up later in the business of golf. But next Paul Benson, who's uh, one of the pros down at Willamette Valley Country Club, going to talk to us uh, in our tip segment about the value of being properly fitted uh, for clubs and their 
uh, high-tech uh, fitting setup that they've got down there as we make the turn. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Tips for your game from award-winning PGA instructor Harold Lustein. It's time to Ask the Pro on Golf in the Northwest. Brought to you on the fan by Laurelhurst Market. 833 here this morning as we uh, continue on. As we mentioned, Center and Saint getting a little uh, summer vacation. So we'll go back to ESPN Radio following us. And then at 11, it'll be the uh, final installment of our OSN Classic Series. Uh, Ducks football uh, replays for you, the 2013 Fiesta Bowl. Uh, so enjoy that one. Uh, that's the lineup here today. But joining us uh, right now, very pleased to have uh, on the line from Willamette Valley Country Club, uh, one of the pros down there and expert fitters, Paul Benson. Uh, and we've talked a little bit about the uh, state-of-the-art uh, performance and fitting center that uh, is at Willamette Valley Country Club and that it's open to the public. So, Paul, thanks so much for joining us and uh, maybe just give – uh, all the golfers out there listening, a little bit uh, idea of uh, what you have the benefit of uh, being able to work with on a daily basis. Um, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Um, we built our performance center about three years ago down at Willamette Valley, and it is um, it's a open-air hitting facility, which means that we actually, although we are technically hitting indoors, um, we're hitting golf balls outside so that we can see ball flight. Um, we uh, actually have uh, track managed flight scope as well as KVEST at our disposal, just some of our technologies. Um, and the manufacturers that we deal with pretty much on a day to day basis are Titleist, Ting, TaylorMade, Callaway, uh, Cleveland Trixon, and Cobra. So, uh, Paul, thank you very much for coming on. How are you this morning? The- Good, Harold. How are you today? I'm great. And now you're a PGA professional, have been for how long now? Oh, I think it's ten years. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, ten uh, years. Was in the in the program for a while before that, so it feels like a lot longer. <laughs> well, you know, after a, a long season, sometimes it does feel longer. Uh, I've brought many students to you uh, for a club fitting of all different calibers, uh, from uh, would be tour professionals, college top college players, to guys who are just trying to you know, break a hundred, where do you start and how do you assess a player for a club fitting? Um, great question. I think the most important part of any assessment is really the interview. Um, I always want to take, you know, five, 10 minutes and talk to a player and get a really understanding not only of what their golf game is like, but also what their goals are. Um, I'm kind of a big believer that your goals and your ability have to have to kind of line up. And um, so taking that time to really figure out where a golfer is going, how much time and energy and effort they're going to put into their game affects how we're going to do fitting. If somebody wants to go, is looking to play at the next level very competitively, we need to fit that person a little differently than somebody who just wants to go out and enjoy golf with, with the kids and, and the family on a Saturday afternoon. Well, what I hear all the time from students is that, I want to be consistent, and I assure them that they are consistently bad at this point in their in their career, golf career. So you're that's I know you hear that all the time. So how do you measure consistency for them now and possibly in the future? Well, good question, and I, I think, well, like I said, that term people don't realize they are consistent. Right. Um, <laughs> it's just they're cons- consistently inconsistent. Um, you know, golf, out of all the sports that we, that we play, is really the one that has by far the most different variables. If we just think how different your golf course is every day, how different, you know, an individual is every single day they get up. And there's so many different variables that you were trying to trying to accommodate all at one time. You realize that there's, there's no way to be consistent. A basketball court is always the same. Um, baseball diamond, it's always the same. But our, our game is evolving and changing literally every day. So that's what leads to the consistency is there's inconsistency. There's so many variables, many variables. So what I'm really looking at is, 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 is there a consistency into how they're delivering the golf club to the ball and what their actual ball flight is doing? Paul Benson is our guest, PGA Pro down at Willamette Valley Country Club, uh, talking about fitting here. The, uh, one of the variables that uh, I have gone through, I've lost 40 pounds since the start of the year and, and have gone about changing my body shape and uh, my level of fitness, and obviously that's going to affect 
uh, how I deliver that club face to the ball. When you're working with uh, maybe some of the members over time, how does body changing and your physical makeup alter what you need to do and how often you need to have that fitting adjustment with your performance center? Uh, great question. Congratulations. I fall in the same boat with you. I've lost about 45 pounds myself this year. It does affect your golf swing quite a bit. Um, you know, we've seen that actually happen with uh, a number of golf professionals on the PGA Tour. Uh, Dave Duvall, very, he lost a bunch of weight and got in really good shape, and his golf game kind of left him for a while. Um, it does take a while to for your body to figure out how to swing after we've gone through a dramatic change like that. Um, but getting back to the question, um, we always tell people the same thing. We think you should get fit whenever your pattern changes or you feel like your existing equipment no longer is performing how you would like to. Um, and for some people, that could be I could do an iron fit with somebody two or three times a year if they're really working on their game and if they feel like their equipment isn't matching what they're trying to do. Other people can stay very consistent, and they may not need to, to look at their golf equipment um, for a year or two. Uh, I think probably on average, most people are probably going to look at their set of irons uh, roughly every four years. So every four years. So there's there's uh, a lot of changes in technology over a four-year period of time. Is there is there a window there that uh, technology would would change every two years, every three years? If, uh, my clubs that you fit me for uh, two years ago, are they going to be okay for me next year? Great question. And, you know, the answer to that is not is not only a technology piece, but they also is, I think people don't really stop and think about wear and tear. Uh-huh. Um, your, your golf clubs, when any person is going out and playing, hitting a golf ball uh, is, is really no different than taking a piece of sandpaper and hitting, hitting your club face. So whether, you're, whether your club face or your, your shafts degrade, we're really worried about the grooves. How do the grooves actually, um, are they degrading? I've got one of a uh, young man who comes out, he needs probably a new set of irons, at least every six months for as much as he practices. He will actually wipe the grooves off, off the face of his irons. That's how many golf balls he hits. Well, that player is a little different than somebody like me or Harold. Um, and we probably need to just necessarily assess our clubs. And the easiest way to do that is when you hit a good golf shot, does the golf ball do what we think it should do? If you feel you made a good swing and it was a good strike and the golf ball performed how you wanted, your clubs are probably still doing the right thing. But if you hit that shot and all of a sudden you're like, wow, boy, my golf ball used to do this or, or it used to do that, that might be it. Then we need to say, okay, let's check and see if the equipment is the variable. Well, I know uh, Jason's uh, – the grooves in the center of his club face are going to be there for a very long time. Hey, hey, hey we're making progress. <laughs> but you, as you uh, – I'm, I'm going to bring Jason down there and have him uh, go through a club fitting. Uh, what is the very – let's say – and I understand the variables in club fitting. Which one variable would you uh, point to – and as your starting point for a fitting? Uh, I always start with length. Um, I think length is probably one of the most overlooked variables when people are looking at golf clubs. Um, It is difficult to just look at somebody's body type and say, oh, you're going to be standard or you're going to be a half inch long. Um, it's, we really find out that each golfer seems to have a length that they are most effective and efficient at. Um, me being a, a, a tall person, um, it's something I've always focused on because I also understand how much length actually affects how the golf club plays. So I will take extra time and try and find out, is that a, a factor or a variable that we need to make an adjustment to? Um, but that's from, that's where I will almost always start all of my fitting after the interview. Is we're going to spend some time on length and see if that's if that uh, if that's something we need to focus on. So, Paul, you're at Willamette Valley Country Club doing your fitting. Uh, I don't belong to the club. Can I come down there or contact you and and uh, go through a fitting? Um, yes, the good folks at Willamette Valley Country Club. Uh, we have a wonderful partnership with them. Um, my company is uh, called Dynamic Coaching and Fitting Services, and my business partner, Scott Rath, who obviously you know, um, we do uh, all the fitting and um, a lot of teaching out of down there. And uh, even though it's a private club, they allow us to have non-members come in or if you just refer them as guests, 
Um, and certainly that anyone can come up, make an, a call and make an appointment. Uh, we do all of our fittings and lessons by appointment. And um, you can either access it, um, actually go on the WAMA Valley website, and there's a, there's a link to our, to our um, page there, and click on that and set up an appointment. And that is uh, WillamettevalleyCC.com. Uh, you can click on the uh, golf thing, and there's a, there's a link to the Performance Center. Paul Benson, thanks so much for taking some time for us. Uh, yeah, Harold and I are going to check the schedules, and uh, when he feels like I've, uh, I've developed a little bit more consistency in the new swing, we'll be down and uh, take a look at it on the track man with you. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and come down anytime. We'd love to help you out. All right. Thanks so much, Paul. We appreciate that. Paul Benson, uh, one of the pros down there at Willamette Valley Country Club and the Performance Center. And, uh, yeah, my, my clubs are overdue, especially the driver and the woods that I'm playing. Uh, the irons, I think, are they're a little outdated. But, uh, you know, I've played more this summer with the situation than probably the last two or three summers combined. Well, and now you're getting an idea of what – a. Sh- what a good shot pattern is and yeah. what a poor one is. So you can actually self-assess as to whether um, it's your swing or your clubs. And I can tell you you're getting very close to the point where uh, a better club will make you a better player. Uh, it, you do not have to have a perfect golf swing. Uh, Paul does not teach you how to swing a golf club. We have PGA professionals like myself who right. are swing uh, doctors uh, Paul is there to assess what you have when you walk in and how to make you better based on the equipment that would suit you. And they've and he's got all the technology right there. And it's nice that he's got the, the wide array of different manufacturers. So you can put something different in your hand, take a look at it, see if it's more comfortable. The, the sight lines and visually what you look at actually does make a difference in terms of your comfort over the ball so you can try out everything again willamettevalleycc.com look for the link to the uh, golf performance center and give them a call all right when we come back in the business segment uh, jack nicholas uh, once again uh discussing what he thinks uh the rna and the usga need to do about uh, golf balls and distance and uh, a little bit on what to expect on the conclusion of the memorial this weekend as we uh, finish things up coming down the stretch it's golf in the northwest on 1080 the fan which new driver is best for your game? Who makes the best golf gear? Where should you take your next golf vacation? Which local course should you get to know better? This is the business of golf every week on Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Thanks again to Paul Benson uh, for taking a few minutes. And uh, it's really quite a facility down there at uh, Willamette Valley Country Club. You should, uh, if you're in the market for new clubs, I would uh, give them a call. Uh, they've got everything that you could possibly want to to go through. If you're going to make that investment, it's worth the time to go down and see uh, Paul and Scott. Yeah, and uh, Paul doesn't have any preference as far as a uh, manufacturer. He's a Titleist specialist, but that doesn't mean he's going to put you in Titleist clubs. He's going to put you in the one that suits you best. So uh, one quick thing before we get into uh, the memorial and some distance. Uh, rounds for research auction is up for bid. Uh, if you remember last year, uh, we brought you this, uh, but it is uh, uh, a research uh, develop or raising money for the Environmental Institute for Golf. That is the uh, foundation arm of the uh, Golf Course Superintendents Association of America. Our good buddy David Phipps is going to join us next week, but the uh, auction is open. And if you're looking to play golf in some uh, courses that you may not normally have access to all around the country, including here in Oregon, it's a, a great opportunity. Uh, you can go to uh, the website. It is biddingforgood.com, and uh, you can look for that auction. But you can play Oswego Lake, uh, Pronghorn, Pumpkin Ridge, Running Y Ranch down there in Klamath, uh, Tethro, the Oregon Golf Club, Waverly, the Reserve, Tokety, so uh, some outstanding courses. And then if you're looking for a golf vacation, they've got uh, courses around the country uh, that are good for a foursome with cart, uh, depending on your budget. But uh, they do a lot of work uh, researching and understanding the environmental impact and, and looking for the next uh, innovations uh, from golf course superintendent managers. Uh, it's a great organization. David will join us next week, tell you a little bit more about uh, where the money goes, but that auction is open for bid. Well, s- superintendents are great stewards of of the environment. 
uh, maybe 40 years ago they took some heat, but I can tell you in the last in the last 20, uh, golf courses are very sensitive to uh, their environmental impact. They are very large uh, parks for us yep. and uh, recreational opportunities. And as we're seeing in the COVID environment, a very safe place to be. And uh, allowing us to keep our sanity. I will tweet out the link uh, after the show at 1080thefan.com and on uh, my uh, Twitter handle, at Fanswag as well. So we look forward to that. Uh, big deal in the last couple of weeks after Bryson DeChambeau kind of uh, took the restart by storm with his bulked up body bombing at 400 plus yards off the tee is once again, the discussion over distance and our players now, uh, too long for the courses, uh, that they play Jack Nicholas, uh, hosting at his, uh, Muirfield village there in Dublin, Ohio, during the first round was asked about that very question. Uh, from Nick Faldo on the Golf Channel broadcast. Nick, the USJ's got to wake up sooner or later. They can't, they can't, the RNA, they can't keep burying their head to this. I mean, they've, they see it. They watch television. They see where these guys hit, hit the golf ball. And it does, it isn't about how far they hit it. It's that you just can't keep making golf courses longer. You just can't yeah. keep, you just don't have enough land. You don't have enough money to do it. And the golf ball is a very, very simple thing to fix. And I've been preaching about it for, Good gracious, I've been preaching about it now for, what is it, 30 now? Years, 43, 43 yeah, years yeah. I first went to the UCA. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time to be saying, well, we're studying it. And, you know, guys, stop studying, <laughs> do something, will you please? So what should the USGA do? Well, and, and they have been studying it, not necessarily for 40 years, but they did come out and they have a, a two-phase plan uh, that they've been looking at. Uh, the second phase has been... Um, because of the pandemic has been put on hold. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts here uh, in in a golf ball uh, change. You have to coordinate with, with the golf ball manufacturers. I think we're looking at the USGA and the RNA saying maybe it's time for two separate rules uh, governing the, the tour and governing normal play. I'm a proponent of, of definitely dialing back the golf ball. Uh, if you think that you're using the same ball as a tour player now, you're mistaken. Uh, their golf balls are different than the ones you're using. So that's a misnomer to think that you can uh, hit Tiger's ball or Duchambeau's ball and hit it maybe as far. Uh, but dialing back for the tour players would be number one. I'm also, and I've had a discussion with a friend of mine about this. Um, he disagrees. I, I think you can limit the number of clubs. You can, I, I think 14 is too many. How hmm. about we take the club uh, number down to 11? Uh, maybe put a limit on, on having two wedges uh, instead of four. Um, make, and I think that's where the manufacturers will have a fit. But on the other hand, uh, maybe they'll have to be more creative and come up with different ways to, well, to I, market that. I think the golf ball... Uh, That's the easiest thing. It's the easiest one. It's one that you can go to the manufacturers and give them the technical specs and they can very quickly uh, get into there and, and create golf balls. I equate it similar to restrictor plate rating at certain racetracks on the NASCAR circuit where the super speedways where they can get the cars to go 250 miles an hour. NASCAR says that's just one, not safe. And two, if somebody's got a better car than everybody else, that's a boring three hour race. So, right. uh, we want, we want racing. Um, and same thing in golf. I think Jack wants, he wants the courses and, and, and the hazards that are put at certain distances off the tee to remain in play. And if you, I think if you dial back the golf ball, then having all the clubs, I think he wants a course where you have to use all the golf clubs in your bag. You do need all of those clubs to play different various shots that it can't just be. I need a driver in three or four different wedges and then maybe a, a five wood or a three hybrid or something for the par fives that I might have to go for in two. So I think the golf ball might take care of the club situation. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And I think the, uh, the best point that Jack made is that uh, you can't afford to keep changing these golf courses. It's, it's not cheap. And no, 
Memorial is going to go through completely redoing their greens, and they're gonna he's going to redo the golf course. But you know what? He can afford it. But you take a lot of other golf courses that are just being turned into you know obsolete cow pastures. That's not yeah. what we want to see out of golf. Uh, the the occasional fan might like to see a 430 yard drive uh, from a tour pro, and we might also like to see ourselves hit the ball longer. But you've got to take into consideration that the game needs to have an element of skill in it. We can't dial back their physical fitness, their their training and such. Uh, I applaud those efforts. Right. Uh, but on the other hand, you've got to make the game uh, maintain a certain level of skill. Well, and the other piece to it, too, is uh, these courses that we see on television that are played, uh, either you know the members or the public ones themselves, they still have to be playable for all the average golfers out there. Mm-hmm. So either in order to dial them up to a PGA tournament where if you're going to move in the fairways and grow the rough out it takes a little longer to do it so how playable are those courses going to be for the members how uh, how much do they want to have to do that to try and toughen them up as opposed to just simply making the golf ball less juicy for the professionals well uh, the uh, superintendents can and the tour officials can change golf courses from week to week as you saw in uh, at Muirfield they took a golf course that uh, Murakawa won at 19 under. That's not happening this week. Uh, and if the wind kicks up, I'll be surprised if um, 13 under doesn't win this tournament. So he's grown. The grass has grown. They haven't done anything there. They increased the green speed by about two feet. That's significant. There's things they can do to adjust golf courses for the average player and for the tour player. So uh, so there you go. It'll be an interesting finish. Should be fun. Watch out for Tony Finau. If he can keep the putter going, uh, might get his uh, second tour win this week. Thanks to Paul Benson for joining us uh, as well. To our buddy Jeff Sanders. Uh, as we mentioned, we'll take you back to ESPN Radio here coming up. And then at 11 o'clock, we'll have OSN Classics, uh, the 2013 Fiesta Bowl uh, with the Oregon Duck football team. Uh, and a little Seahawks classic for you on Sunday at 11. Until then, uh, for Harold, I'm Jason. Hit him straight. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. You fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.